So, good afternoon, everyone, and on the East Coast. Good morning, if you're on the West Coast. Thank you for participating in uh, our July Tosca 3030. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, the Tosca problem formulation documents, and we're going to use the one for NMP as an example. Uh, next slide. Uh, that's me, Herbert Stryker. So, I've spoken at a number of these. Next slide. I'm joined here by my colleague, uh, Jabre Nekumarov. And uh, I think people know her. She was uh, in-house counsel at the American Coding Association for many, many years. She's a well-known person around uh, the D.C. Uh, area uh, in terms of the uh, health and safety bar. Uh, she's an associate with our firm. She's been here for a while. She's actually spoken in a number of these as well. Next slide. So what's your agenda today? Well, um, EPA released. Uh, their problem formulation documents for the first 10 chemicals that they're going to do risk evaluation under TOSCA. We're going to examine in some detail uh, the formulation uh, document for NMP. Why do we pick NMP? Well, we think that NMP is a very, very important chemical, and I think a lot of companies use NMP for a lot of very, very specialized uses. And we thought that of the 10 chemicals that EPA plans to evaluate first under the new TOSCA, asbestos, etc., we thought that NMP of those t uh, 10 chemicals would probably be the uh, greatest interest to the broadest audience. So we'll examine the formulation document in some detail. Uh, we'll tell you uh, what the formulation document really sort of suggests EPA will likely focus on uh, when it actually does the risk evaluation of NMP. Uh, in a lot of ways, the problem formulation document is a blueprint for how EPA will go about doing the risk evaluation. And in many ways, it's a very, very key document. And then we'll also talk throughout the, uh, the presentation about the opportunities for industry to influence the outcome, not only in connection with the finalization of the problem formulation document, but in the next steps of the uh, TOSCA uh, risk evaluation process. Next slide. <coughs> so just to sum up a little bit, what are the steps in the Section 6 risk evaluation? Uh, well, the first thing EPA has to do once they pick a chemical, and that's picked under a different process called prioritization, but once they pick a chemical for evaluation, uh, then they have to set out the scope of what they're going to evaluate. And it's, the scope of a risk evaluation is what you think it would be. It details the hazards, exposure, conditions of use, and the potentially exposed and susceptible subpopulations that EPA plans to consider in the risk evaluation. Uh, the scope has two basic parts. There's a conceptual model, uh, which describes the relationship between the chemical, its use, and exposure and risk. And there's an analysis plan, which really spells out the data that EPA plans to use, uh, both in terms of hazard as well as exposure, uh, and the models, the mathematical models that it intends to use uh, to evaluate risk. Uh, a draft scope is published normally in the normal case. The draft scope is uh, subject to uh, a 45-day public comment period. As I'll discuss, there was no draft scope in this particular case with respect to 10 chemicals. But in the normal case, going forward, you expect to see a draft scope. And you'll have a 45-day comment period to uh, opine on that draft scope. I suggest that's a very, very important opportunity for you to weigh in early uh, as to uh, your thoughts about the chemical that EPA plans to evaluate. Uh, next slide. Final scope, uh, and that's uh, uh, published 
no later than six months after uh, EPA starts the risk evaluation process. Uh, what does EPA do after the scope is done? Well, they do a risk evaluation. Of course, that has the elements, normal elements, hazard assessment, exposure assessment, risk characterization, risk determination. Uh, for uses that are uh, determined to present a reasonable risk, well, those uses will move uh, immediately to risk management. Um, there's a draft risk evaluation that EPA uh, produces in the process that undergoes peer review. <clears throat> and then there's a 60-day public comment period, another, another very, very important opportunity to weigh in. And then finally, there's a final risk evaluation uh, published uh, no later than three, to three and a half years after EPA starts. Next. So, but the process for the first 10 chemicals is a little different. Uh, that's because Congress had a special provision for the first 10 chemicals in the statute. Uh, so, with respect to the first 10 chemicals, EPA had to pick 10 chemicals from the uh, uh, 2012 work plan, um, and they were only allowed six months uh, for the time they first identified those 10 chemicals to finalize the scoping documents. So, because of the very short fuse they had, they did not release the draft scoping documents for public consultation. Instead, what they did is they finalized them in a kind of a preliminary final form. They did that in June of 2017, first anniversary of uh, uh, the new TOSCA. And even though uh, it was not open to formal notice of public comment, people did comment anyway, which I think is probably a smart idea. Uh, and remember, <coughs> sorry, even if there are opportunities, even if you lose an opportunity to formal uh, comment formally, you can always try to make your views known informally. So anyway, um, uh, and the informal comments they received, uh, well, from the from the viral groups, they received lots of comments. But from industry, they received the following. They said the scopes were not as robust as they should be, and that EPA should include systematic review principles when they do the risk evaluation. Now, systematic review is something which was uh, extensively uh, written upon by the National Academy of Sciences, uh, and it basically means, incorporates various strategies for doing risk evaluation, uh, including looking at all the uh, existing risk evaluations on the chemicals, trying to see where the data gaps are, uh, filling those data gaps in existing evaluations, um, and basically building on the science that's been developed by the chemical uh, in, over the years. Uh, so that's part of the systematic review principles. Uh, and in connection with the uh, problem formulation documents, EPA has also... Uh, released a, uh, uh, a, a, a draft document called Application of Systematic Review in TOSCA Risk Evaluation for Public Comment, and that's part of the same Federal Register Notice. Next slide. So there was a formal uh, uh, notice of availability of the product formulation documents, uh, and the systematic review strategy was published on June 11th. Comments are due on, on July 26th. That's only two weeks. So only 14 more shopping days until the comment period's over. Uh, and uh, some observations on the 10 problem formulation documents as a whole. One thing EPA did is they, they made clear that they don't intend to evaluate uh, exposure routes that they consider to be adequately regulated under other laws. Primarily, ozone depleting potential of various chemicals, which they consider to be effectively managed under the Clean Air Act. Interestingly, interestingly, they did not, in any instance, consider that OSHA adequately regulates any workplace exposure. So uh, they are going to uh, uh, do full uh, assessments of occupational exposure for all the chemicals, uh, notwithstanding anything that OSHA has done. It's rather interesting. 
But they did think, and maybe because it's part of the same agency, that Clean Air Act regulation of uh, at least those on depleting uh, chemicals uh, was effective. They also said, and, and quite controversially, that they would not evaluate legacy uses. That means uses that have, uh, are no longer active. Uh, it also implicates disposal questions, site remediation questions, uh, and in particular, uh, you know, the uh, uh, historic uses of asbestos, uh, which are subject to your remediation and all kinds of different state and federal laws. Uh, that has uh, created great controversy in the environmental NGO community, uh, but they uh, they said they will not evaluate legacy uses. As you know, the whole question of what uses they need to evaluate <coughs> Sorry, is subject to a uh, Ninth Circuit uh, appeal, uh, and so we'll have to see how that all plays out. But at the moment, uh, they do not intend to evaluate legacy uses. Uh, they also said that certain consumer uses of certain chemicals were insignificant, and I listed these here. Uh, and uh, so, for example, why carbon tech and cleaners, degreasers intended for consumer use, so why is that insignificant? That's because that's a long band use by the Consumer Product Safety Commission, various states. There's no point evaluating a use that isn't banned. Next, next, uh, uh, next slide. So, the NMP, and again, we, of the 10, we pick NMP to uh, review in some detail during this TSCA 3030. Um, there's a docket. There is a, sing, a separate docket for each uh, chemical. Uh, I also give you a link so you can actually, uh, um, you know, find the uh, problem formulation document. And we will be posting our slides, as we always do. Uh, there will also be a recording of uh, the TOSCA 3030 that you can listen to at your leisure. Uh, and uh, so there's a link for that. Um, now, interestingly, they decided, it wasn't the case for all the other chemicals, but they decided with respect to NMP uh, that they would evaluate all the conditions of use that they identified in their scope document. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, with respect to, now, if you remember, NMP was one of the chemicals uh, where at the end of the Obama administration, EPA issued proposed Section 6A rules. Uh, the other ones were methylene chloride um, and TCE. Um, and the NMP one focused exclusively on um, uh, uh, coating and uh, coating and uh, solvent cleaning. I think it was paint, paint, paint coating paint, removal. Paint, yep. paint coating removal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so exclusively uh, focused on that. Um, and so EPA says that uh, that they're going to reevaluate those uses using the new TOSCA standards because those proposed rules issued under the old TOSCA. Uh, I don't think they would withstand judicial scrutiny if the EPA did not reevaluate them using the new TOSCA standards. So I think it's fairly wise the EPA do that. Um, and um, interestingly enough, so I also think the signals that the Obama era Section 6A proposed rules uh, are not going to be finalized, even though EPA says that they might be. Uh, and I think, well, certainly they have to be evaluated under the new TOSCA standards. As I said, they would not withstand scrutiny, it seems to me. Um, if they uh, uh, if they uh, did not do this. Next slide. Okay, I'm going to turn this over to Jamine. She's going to talk about the uses of NMP that are being targeted uh, in this risk evaluation. Thank you, Herb. Now, NMP has a wide range of uses as a solvent in the manufacture and pro uh, production of many different types of products. And in 2015 alone, the annual production of NMP was over 160 million pounds. 
So this is a significant uh, amount of products that, that could be potentially impacted by this risk evaluation. Uh, in describing the uses it'll focus on for the risk evaluation, EPA grouped uses based on CDR categories and identified different examples within these categories uh, of use, so the three largest being um, its use in paint and coatings, solvents for cleaning and degreasing, and ink, toner, and colorant products. But there are also a number of uh, important but more minor uses to be aware of, and uh, you should potentially comment on uh, if you have more information about these uses. Next slide. So on this slide, we, we outline the uses that EPA has identified as the conditions of use that it's going to evaluate under the risk evaluation. So of course, as we mentioned, uh, patent coatings, we know NMP is used in coating removal, as well as a number of other coatings applications. EPA is also going to look at NMP as a solvent for industrial cleaners and degreasers, uh, graffiti removal products, and consumer cleaning products. NMP is also uh, used as a solvent in printing ink formulations, toner, and colorant products. It's used as a petrochemical processing aid in a variety of applications uh, that we have listed on the slide. And uh, it's also used as a component in the formulation of solvent-based adhesives and sealants. So these are uh, the, a lot of the main uses, but again, EPA made sure to note some minor uses as well that uh, people should be aware of. So EPA also uh, identified the use of NMP as a reaction medium for polymerization reactions because many polymers are soluble in NMP. So these reactions include the synthesis, uh, the synthesis of polyvinyl acetate, polyvinyl fluoride, polystyrene, polyesters, acrylics, polycarbonates, uh, and uh, synthetic elastomers, and in the final formulation for polyurethane dispersion. So uh, EPA also noted NMP's use in textiles and clothing, although they do need some more information about that use. Uh, NMP is also used as a solvent for electrode preparation and in electrolyte formulations used for lithium-ion uh, lithium battery manufacturing. And finally, while EPA did include within this document uh, the use of NMP as a solvent and extraction medium for the manufacture and formulation of pharmaceuticals, this is outside the scope of TOSCA. TOSCA specifically exempts drugs, so this would be uh, not under TOSCA's jurisdiction. That's something they'll figure it out before they yeah. get litigated on that point. Right. <laughs> next, next slide. Thank you. Uh, so, so risk formulation, the problem formulation document has a section on uses, and it has sections on um, uh, health hazards, and then it also has sections on exposure. And we're going to focus here today on the sections that are on exposure. Uh, it's divided into two sets. There's the human exposure, which includes occupational exposure, bystander exposure, consumer exposure, and then the environmental exposure. So, so looking at the, sec at the chapters on human exposure, uh, I think one walks away with a few messages and a few, uh, few, a few messages. First, EPA at the moment uh, is planning to use the exposure data from the OSHA uh, chemical exposure health data uh, database and the NIOSH health uh, hazard evaluation uh, database. They have not received, by and large, uh, occupational exposure data from any other source. Uh, and so if you have, if you're not happy with the way OSHA or NIOSH treats the exposures within your industry, well then I suggest that you try to get in some uh, useful comments in the next two weeks, at least at a minimum, 
uh, try informally to get your information in the agency because the better information I have, and I've said this a thousand times in doing these programs, uh, the more uh, realistic their risk assessment is going to be and the better the likely outcome. And so uh, if you're not happy with the way OSHA or NIOSH treats your chemical or your industry, um, uh, then I think you should uh, be mindful of that. Uh, so of the various exposure routes, uh, they expect thermal exposure to be a significant route of exposure for consumers and bystanders. Uh, and, but also uh, 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 they think there's a potential for inhalation exposure to consumers and bystanders uh, during heating or spray application. So the products are heated or spray applied. I mean, they're going to be sort of front and center on this risk assessment. Um, the products where um, consumers or bystanders can be thermally exposed uh, will be front and center in this risk assessment. And very, very interesting because they consider the potential for oral exposure to consumers from uh, hand-to-mouth activity, particularly incidental ingestion by children, to be a very, very important issue here. And so think about where it is that the NMP will show up in children's toys or similar articles and go back to our list of uses. And I think you'll see very clearly, without naming the industry, where that is an issue. And so, um, uh, next slide. So, some uh, some issues on the environmental exposure. I'm not going to go through this in too much detail, but uh, my general sense was that environmental exposure was not going to be a problem here at all. Uh, the way EPA sort of parsed this through, uh, they came out saying that really uh, the only potential for exposure was surface water exposures. Um, and uh, if you look at the 160 million or so pounds of NMP that's used annually, uh, only a tiny infinitesimal amount, uh, 14,000 pounds, is discharged as surface water. So I'm assuming that's at many different sites. I'm assuming even with the very conservative uh, streamflow models that EPA uses, I'm assuming that uh, uh, environmental release to surface waters is not going to be a problem. But we'll see. But that's just a prediction. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, you'll see that even EPA's um, uh, concentrations of concern are in the part per billion, per part per quadrillion range. So I, I don't think that's where one needs to worry. I think what one needs to worry is the uh, um, uh, probably consumer and children exposure. Um, and, uh, well, if you, once you get away from the paints and coatings. Yeah. <laughs> once you get away from the paints and coatings, for the other uses, I think you need to think about where NPP is used, where it could lead to incidental ingestion by children. That's where I would think you need to start thinking. Next slide. So other exposure uh, assumptions are discussed in the document. Well, the, they, they, as part of the new TOSCA, they have to identify the potentially exposed and susceptible subpopulations, uh, and, this, and they're different for each chemical, potentially. Uh, in this particular case, they considered workers uh, and occupational non-users to be uh, potentially exposed. I guess the occupational non-users might be supervisors or people working in the office, administrative. They consider consumers and bystanders associated with consumer uses to be potentially exposed, and they consider, as and they think they always do for everything, individuals who live or work near manufacturing, processing, use of disposal sites uh, to be um, uh, potentially exposed. Uh, it's also clear from their document that they uh, consider the Safe Drinking Water Act and RECRA 
uh, to do a good job uh, about in terms of eliminating uh, the, uh, the risks associated with uh, uh, um, NMP and drinking water, uh, which would take, you know, ingestion of drinking water out of the risk equation. It would take showering uh, out of the risk equation. Um, and then record, of course, would take the waste pathway, disposal pathway out of the risk equation. So that's another thing that they signal very clearly in their document. Um, and uh, I think the other message I got, and I think anybody would, that reads these things would get it, is that they don't really consider OSHA regulation to be particularly useful to their assessment, and they don't consider CPSC regulation to be particularly useful to their assessment. So I think that's another area where people that are concerned about some of their uses and how they're going to be evaluated really need to make the case uh, that uh, you know these agencies have full competency and are, in fact, uh, the right place to uh, control those risks. Next next slide. So some final thoughts. Um, so I I did think, I when I read the preliminary scope documents, I said to myself, well, there's nothing really here. I can't imagine how EPA is actually going to do a risk assessment from these documents. That was my original impression in June of 2017. Now, a year later, uh, we have these public formulation documents, and I would say that they are fairly well developed. Um, and I was impressed with the quality of the work. I think they look pretty good. I mean, obviously, there are data gaps. We'll talk about that. Uh, but certainly, if you compare it to the kind of risk evaluations, if you call it risk evaluations, being done in Europe or being done in Asia, uh, you know, they, uh, those pale in comparison, you know, with the, with the, with the, uh, the weight and, uh, and, and, um, sophistication that we have in these EPA. Uh, problem formulation documents. And I think uh, I'd like to see, we're not, I mean, we may not have problem formulation documents with the future chemicals because this was a special thing, special treat, let's say, for people because they didn't uh, give an opportunity for the uh, scope documents, but I certainly hope when they go in the future and uh, look at new chemicals, different chemicals, that they will develop scoping documents that are at least as robust as these problem formulation documents. So, um, other impressions, uh, the hazard information for NMP seems to be fairly, there's no question. The hazard information for NMP seems to be fairly robust, um, I, I, and I think that's probably right. If you actually look at the risk assessment that EPA did for NMP in connection with the paint coning uh, proposed Section 6A rule, I don't think anyone really weighed in complaining about EPA's assessment of the hazard. Some of the other chemicals, there are questions around you know, whether it is threshold, non-threshold, this and that. But here, I don't think people really had uh, any serious uh, debate around the hazards associated with PP. So I don't think that's a real kind of, you know, kind of be an important area here. Human exposure, um, as I already mentioned, will likely uh, drive the risk assessment. Uh, as I already mentioned, exposure to consumers, particularly children, from some uses will be important, so be mindful of that. Um, and I, I do identify as key, key data gaps, a good understanding of potential occupational bystander and consumer exposure for minor but important uses of NMP. And my last message to the audience, and we have uh, over, over 110 people attending and for July is not bad, uh, that there's not much time left to comment. <laughs> if you care about your minor uses, then you need to weigh in. Next slide. So, just to remind you, we're having our next OSHA 3030 uh, on uh, July 25th at 1 p.m. Eastern. The next TOSCA 3030 uh, will be August 8th, 
1 p.m. And I'm not sure what the topic is, but you know, June, uh, last June, June 2018, was the second year anniversary of the new Tosca. EPA issued a kind of a blizzard of uh, proposed rules and guidance documents. I think we're going to have a, a, a two-year uh, wrap-up. I think that'll be the Tosca 3030 next month. We'll see. Um, I promised you, by the way, last month, that this one wouldn't be legalistic. And I think I held, held up to my promise. Uh, and then the last thing is, uh, well, we'll back to that. The last thing is there's a fit for 30, well, I'm not sure how many days. It's 30 minutes, and check our website when the next one is. Uh, next, next one. Um, so, again, as I mentioned, next task at 3030, August 8th. I want to thank uh, you, the people that sort of... Uh, uh, responded to our survey as to whether you're interested in a reach 3030. And so, uh, we got, uh, you know, very good response. And so expect that. I'm not sure what month that's going to start. Uh, and it probably will be 3090. Uh, I'm Herb Stryker. I'm joined by my colleague, uh, Jemine Nukumaram. Thank you for spending 30 minutes with us today and enjoy the beach.